Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy's Show and Tell. Uh, show and Tell is a show where we bring on a cool guest to talk about something cool that they're working on. And today's cool guest is none other than Trent Colwell of Lawful Dice. So Lawful Dice is an online store uh, owned and run by Trent, and it is set out to sell the fairest dice in the land. Using statistical analysis and a thousand rolls, Lawful Dice test all of its dice to make sure whether you roll a 20 or a 1. It was not fate, but instead just plain old probability. So, uh, welcome, Trent. Great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about dice. Yeah, no, I was I was glad when Michael... Uh, so Michael always sends me, whenever we get a somebody interested in coming on show and tell uh michael forwards them to me and so i saw this one come across the feed i was like this is fantastic because we talk a lot about people with books or games or kickstarters coming up but you do dice and also you care about the stats about the dice so i thought that that was cool and different so i'm glad to have you here thank you so i guess before we get rolling trent and talking about all the cool dice stuff you're doing uh, let's get to know you. So tell us a little bit about your history with gaming then. All right. So before before you got into rolling all the dice to making to finding the best dice, where did where did this where did this start? Take us all the way back to the beginning. So I started running D D when I was fourteen years old, which would be nineteen eighty four. Okay. So I've been gaming probably longer than many of your listeners have been on this earth. So yep, I am yep. technically the old school gamer, but I like to think I have a modern bent. During that time, I have played just about any RPG you could think of. Everything from, of course, you know, D&D to the old school TSR, Gamma World, Boot Hill, all the way up to more exotic fare, Eorus from Brazil. My last campaign was from Invisible Sun, and I've played everything in between Pathfinder. Pretty much, you name it, I've had a table of it at least once. So I guess then, I guess for you then, what appeals to you about RPGs? Is it the is it the rolling dice? Is it the telling stories? Is it the the camaraderie at the table? What what is it for you? Can you put a pin in it? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. For me, it is absolutely the camaraderie at the table, and to a lesser extent, the problem solving and the story elements. You know, there's the old joke about men going out for poker night. The RPGs for me were always my poker night. They always have been since 1984. So that's where I really lived was the story, the camaraderie, and the problem-solving elements of it, too, always appealed to me. Okay. No, I, I mean, I, yeah, problem-solving, is it's, it's great. I just sitting down, especially when you have that, that group, kind of that group thing. And you, you, everybody's kind of on the same wavelength, and you, you've got an idea. Then somebody else is like, "Oh, yeah, that that's perfect. Let's add this to it." So yeah, I agree. I love it so much. So this is a surprise question. I'm kicking things off. Surprise question, not on the list of stuff I sent you. All right. So we have several people involved in the RPG Academy who are very particular about what the best type of dice is. I'm not that particular about it. All right, but I have to ask you then. All right, what is to you? What's the best dice? So, in days of yore, when I was younger, I always considered the best dice to be the one I considered most friendly to me, the luckiest, and that was when I was younger, and remember, I started out when dice came in little plastic baggies that you had to color in with a crayon, mm. so this is extremely primitive, and then they got a little better, they got into the acrylic dice, and I used the acrylic, kind of acryl clear 
crystal acrylic dice that were popular for many years. I used those for years. Uh, as I've grown older, I have to say I've become something of a dice snob. I'm willing to spend a little more money. So my current set of dice are from a company called Gravity Dice, and they are anodized etched solid aluminum high precision dice. Uh, they are completely excessive for a tabletop RPG, but I love them. I have four sets. <laughs> wow, that's that, that's awesome. So yeah, no, that's cool. Are they, so do you say they're laser etched? They are. They anodize them a color, black, red, or pink, and then they use the laser to cut the numbers into them so there's no uh, removal of material. Nice. Those are that's, that's awesome. So then out of those dice then, numerically speaking, so you got D4 through D20. Which one of those then is your favorite to roll? Well, to roll I, the D20, I really am partial to metal dice. I like the feel of them. And more importantly, I have an issue with the poppiness of plastic dice. It's just a personal preference, but I think it's too fidgety to roll on a table. They tend to bounce and people go chasing them and pets chase them. And it's just yeah. kind of annoying. So I prefer something with a little heft to it, I suppose. What are your, okay. So now I, I'm, I'm kind of like, uh, I'm leading you on here, but what do you, what's your feelings about the D12 then? The D12, it really doesn't have much pride of place, does it? It seems to be, it's the also ran of dice. Yes. Uh, it's just not used very much. I throw it into the same category as like a D30. <laughs> I've seen okay. them and it's just sort of there and occasionally you might have a stat or some mechanic that needs it but I don't think it gets a lot of love yeah. for me though yeah. if you, after the D20 is the D4 because it's the most physically dangerous die ever made those things are real caltrops throw them on the floor and you don't have to worry about anyone chasing you this is true. I, yeah, I, I've obviously the the D four. It's all we all make jokes about it. How it's worse than Legos. But for me, the D four, I just can't. It's just it's it's not satisfying to roll because it's like you throw it and it's almost like a thud. Indeed. Yeah. Um. But no, the reason I bring up the D twelve is Michael, my co-host. He is obsessed with the D twelve. He swears it's the best dice. He likes rolling them. He's even got his his new RPG coming out soon. Action Twelve Cinemas is focused completely around the D twelve because, like you said, it doesn't get a lot of use. So now uh, D twelve has a, a lot of love here. But uh, I, I'm on the other hand, it's to me they're they're all the same. <laughs> the math rocks. That's so okay. So we have we got your we got your thoughts on we got your thoughts on dice. All right. So then. Uh, I now need to ask you then, let's talk about lawful dice. Okay, what is, let's give, give a highlight, what is lawful dice? Okay, well, first a little history before I talk about myself okay. too much. Lawful dice sprung, springs from the fact that over the past 35 years of gaming, I have attended many a die argument at the tabletop. Versions of this. Oh, he's got a lucky die. Oh, the die is loaded. Oh, the die is unlucky. Oh, I have a. Sp Everybody has their special dice. They break out when they need to save versus death. Uh, it's kind of a running joke at the table. Dice superstitions. I've seen people selling dice jails online. Yes. Uh, pretty pretty common. There's a lot of superstition with gamers and dice. And it occurred to me that no one ever asked the question. Well, are the dice actually statistically provably? rolling as you would expect them to. Now, what I mean by that is, let me clarify here this at the outset. All dice are unfair eventually. Yeah. So if a dice is made by the hand of man, at some point, if you roll it enough, it will show some sort of statistical bias. The trick is to find the ones where the statistical bias is so far down the rolling continuum that a regular gamer would never run into it. So that's where Lawful Dice came from. I thought, 
it, it honestly started off as a personal project for myself is I wanted to know, are the dice I'm buying reasonably fair in how they roll? And that's where it sprang from is that was the impetus behind me building this thing. Okay. So then, yeah, basically you're looking for the, you're looking for the dice that has the, it's got the, it's got the flattest, the flattest curve on top. You want that to almost be like a a plateau where you're rolling all the dice numbers equally. So to that end, let's talk about a little about the methodology. Okay. Now, a D20, if you do the math, and the statistics majors out there will probably beat me up for this, but the short answer is if you roll a D20 100 times, you can run some math and kind of figure out whether or not it's fair. But that doesn't give you a particularly great reliability and repeatability, so I went with a 1,000. So I rolled okay. the dice a 1,000 times. Now, I apologize in advance to your listeners for diverging into statistics. But no, let's do it. Here we go. So what I do is run a... Chi squared or chi squared, chi squared, I believe, goodness of fit analysis. So a perfect d20, if you roll it and it's perfect and it rolls perfectly, in theory, if you roll it a thousand times, there should be the same number of each face on your graph. So there should be 51s and 52s and 5019s and 5020s. And that gets you to a thousand. Okay. Now, that in and of itself is impossible to achieve because you're never going to get that. There's always going to be some pluses and minuses. You'll have a few more ones than sevens or whatever. Now, you feed it to the goodness of fit statistical analysis, the algorithm essentially, and it will spit out a number. And that number is the likelihood that you will get at least as an extreme result within your initial data set. I don't want to get too far into the weeds here, but the bottom line is I use that as a benchmark because if you just look at the graphs, you have to choose a point where the the number of ones and twos is too high. So to solve that problem, I went with a 0.05 p-value, which is sort of standard in the science community. I may up that a bit. I may do a little higher uh, in future yep. efforts. But the bottom line is it just gives me a number at the end that says... Yeah, this is behaving as you would expect it to be versus, oh, this thing's horribly out of whack. And believe me, I have seen out of whack. So it's your p-value. So this is just your, this is your, your coefficient that you're using here. Yes. So is it the, do you use the same p-value then for all of your dice? I do. It's just a, it's just a, a cutoff essentially. Okay. So then I can determine whether or not the null hypothesis is valid or not, uh, which mine is the dice rolls fair and I can prove or I can suggest that or may or may not be true based on the P value. Um, Okay. It just, uh, mm -hmm. go ahead. So you're doing, you're doing then a curve fit, right? Essentially. Do you, do you include the equation with, when you send your, your dice out? So whenever you purchase one of our dice, you get two things. One of them is optional, but one of them you always get, which is the graph and the P value of your die. Those are provided every time. I believe I sent you some samples initially. If not, I can provide them to you if you're interested. Gotcha, yeah. Uh, And it's basically just a bar graph that shows how many of each type you got. Now, they all look like sawtooth bar graphs because, of course, you don't get 50 of each. There'll be 52 of one and 48 of another. But the p-value is just basically how I determine whether or not those are too extreme. And the second part of that is 
and this is the part that always amuses people, is people always ask me, how do you prove you actually rolled the die? Because I could just sit here at my desk and just type up some numbers and put it into a bar chart and send it to you. And the answer is, you can have all 1,000 pictures if you want. That's incredible. Like, the, the proof there is... That is a lot of people listen to the show. They know that they know I'm I'm an electrical engineer, and whenever I provide data to to my clients, I don't even give them that. So that's that's wild. So, so yeah, it's absolutely easy. If if they're interested, if they want to validate, I send them one thousand full color little four eighty by four eighty pictures. And all the dice, because of the paint on the numbers, are essentially unique, like fingerprints. So you can tell it's your die, and you're welcome to count. <laughs> that's that's incredible. So people may be saying, well, hold on a second. Is Trent just sitting in his office with a camera and a handful of dice and just rolling them? All right. So how does what is the process then? Can you because this is I think this is one of the coolest things of Waffle Dice, in my opinion. Can you explain the process here for testing? Absolutely. So I get a dice, a die. So to be clear, I will use the die singular here today okay, just to be right. consistent because uh, I keep saying dice even though I'm talking about a single die and it's yeah. it's it's causing that's my probably, That's my fault. <laughs> it's okay. So the answer is this. I get a die and I have, from an engineering standpoint, it'd be more like a rig than a robot. I want to be okay. clear here. The robot is a robot by the strict definition of the word, but it's not like a mechanical hand rolling dice. I wish it was. But essentially what it is, is a mechanically, is a computer controlled dice cup. So you drop the dice in. I have a, a camera rig that goes on top of it. It fires. Uh, and when I say fires, that's pretty amusing. I accidentally overpowered it with too many volts one day and launched dice into my ceiling. That was pretty funny. Whoa. Uh, but uh, it throws the dice up in the air about four or five inches and okay. drops it down, lets it settle and shoots a picture. It then gathers 1,000 of those. That takes about half an hour, maybe 40 minutes for that to happen. And then the numbers are passed into Fortuna, which is my machine learning system. And Fortuna actually reads the images and converts those to a spreadsheet, which is then passed into some custom Python code. And it spits out a graphic and... A statistical analysis, and it gets a green light or a red light. So, if it gets a green light, what's what's what is that? What is what makes a dice pass, or what makes it fail? So, basically, the p value. Uh, again, going back to statistics, I was hoping to avoid this, but it's sort of unavoidable. Uh, I have a 0 0.05 p value as the limit, which is five percent. Mm -hmm. If you're over that, you're fine. If you're under it, you have failed. Now, I have had some discussions with the folks in the past about why I chose that threshold. And the simple answer is, you have to pick a threshold. And yeah. 0 0.05 is sort of a standard one that floats around the scientific community, and I figured it was sufficient for my needs. Uh, I am, as I said, considering bumping that to a higher number just to make them a bit more reliable, but statistically it won't matter. Okay. Um, so then, how did you come up with the idea then of making a robot to do this? So it's a good question, and it has a simple answer in that I'm lazy. Okay. There's a professor in Kentucky who I should link. I will send you the link to. He actually did some early work in dice rolling, 
I met him at Gen Con. He's a great guy. He does, uh, he was rolling them by hand or having students roll them by hand. And I thought that was a bit inefficient. So I put together a small dice robot, as I previously described, to roll the dice. That actually was the easy part, by far. Uh, it's it's not even rocket science. I'll describe the design. It's a Raspberry Pi connected, connected to a MOSFET, connected to a 24-volt power supply and a solenoid to roll the cup. It's dead simple. Yeah, Nothing. yeah it's... Sounds simple. It's it's not rocket science. A little Python code to actuate the solenoid, you're golden. Uh, and I also use a Pi camera to capture the images, so that Raspberry Pi is the heart of the system. That's easy. That was a non-event. The hard part is the machine vision part. Yeah. And essentially what it is, is I s- built a system that allowed me to create a machine... I suppose it's machine learning would be the correct term since it actually uses machine learning tech that looks at the images, determines the number on the top of the die, and then spits out a number for that image and associates the number with the image, which allows me to generate the stats. Gotcha. That's, I mean, that's, that's awesome. I think I, it was funny. I I said, and both of us said that sounds, that's the robot stuff that was simple. Uh, but yes. For those who don't know, uh, a Raspberry Pi is just a tiny little microcontroller that you can buy almost almost anywhere. And there are so many tutorials on how all sorts of different things you can do with them. But I think this is all, one of the first times I've ever heard of it being used for tabletop stuff. So one thing I do need to clarify on, the machine learning system does not run on the Raspberry Pi. It has to run on a bigger machine. Yes. Uh, yes. In fact, I had to build on a bigger machine. So... That is the main distinction. The Raspberry Pi is doing the work for the robot, and then basically my Mac is crunching the uh, images for to determine the numbers. So I guess then, uh, so do you have like for those who don't know, you can get into this as as much as you want or as little. But so what's your so we know you're a gamer, but then what's your background where you you were able to to go out and do this and create lawful dice then? Oh, I'm uh I work with in the cloud. I do. DevSecOps, which is a fancy way of saying I'm an infrastructure person who works in Google, Amazon, and Azure clouds, building servers and applications out there. I'm mostly an operations guy. Okay. Keep it all going. But it does give me sufficient knowledge of machine learning and some Python and some electronics. And then we put it all together and you came up with lawful dice. So to be fair, though, everything I've just described so far is underselling the requirement. So to make the machine vision work, I'm sure you're familiar with machine learning that you have to yeah. feed it information. Lots of information. Lots of information. Well, I didn't have any, so I had to hand sort 30,000 images of D20s. And oh, I, my word. And I got the system up to 99.87% accurate. That's pretty good. I would take that as a win. Uh, actually, I do manually check each of the results. There's some engineering solutions I've added to the system that I'm leaving out for competitive reasons that made it a lot easier that allowed me to get there. But the bottom line is the system is unbelievably accurate. I can, I, I can, I can appreciate that. So, so that's, so we, we've talked a lot about the, about the, the, 
how how Waffle Dice was made, all right, and what what your idea was and the vision there. But then, how is Lawful Dice operated as to date? What can people expect? Like they go to Lawful Dice's website. What are you offering them? It's a great question, and the short answer is the twenties that I've fed through the system. Okay, I was just gonna, so they can go on your site and then find those D twenties to purchase. Absolutely. They are, right now, I only have an assortment of metal dice in four or five colors. I'm considering expanding. The good thing about lawful dice is I am not beholden to a company in that I'll just buy dice and test them, which, by the way, I have about a 25 or 30% failure rate. So if I buy 10 dice, three or four of them are destroyed. Gotcha. Now, why they're off, people have asked me that often too. You know, why they're bad, honestly, don't know, and frankly, don't really care. I'm removing them from the dice pool of the world, and I figure I'm doing the world a public service. Yeah, and it's not like you're throwing away dice that we would consider as rolling all ones. You're throwing away the dice that are rolling all 20s, too. Yes, that's one of my threats, actually. I've threatened to use the high dice because I have some that are roll like 18, 19, 20 pretty consistently. I've threatened to use those against my players. They were not pleased. <laughs> That's, yeah, you could sell like, uh, you could, ah, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously the vision for the, the Lawful Dice's purpose is to sell the, is to sell the, uh, the most, the fairest dice that you could find. But also it would definitely be funny if you started selling some ones that rolled better or rolled worse. Yeah, well, I've, I've considered opening. I, I would never do it for ethical reasons. I truly do destroy the dice that fail. Uh, but I've considered an open an alternative site called awfuldice.com that's all, all bad die, either all low rollers. You could give them as gifts to people you don't like or all high rollers to use for yourself. Uh, but there's a surprising so amount that fall in the middle, and that's not exciting to roll nines. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, we, we were talking about the ones and the 20s, but yeah, a nine too. Exactly. It's not very dramatic. No, it, it isn't. Uh, so there is one thing I do want to mention, too. People ask me this, and I wanted to get it out there. Okay. I have no opinion about a specific company's dice. Okay. I've tested gotcha. a lot of companies' dice, but I do not make any pronouncements. As you're sure you're aware, there are many companies that sell, I don't want to call them fair dice, but precision dice or dice with sharp edges or you know, balanced dice or whatever you want to call them. But I, I I, cannot say one way or the other as to the quality of their dice. I can only speak to the dice that have been through Fortuna. Yeah, that have been tested. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. The So I guess then, you, right now you're only selling metal dice, but is there a particular, have you found that certain materials offer more balanced dice? So this is where it gets really strange. I assumed that metal and precision plastic would be consistently better overall. I expected to find some failures. That was to be expected, but I didn't. What I discovered was, is I can't tell. I have literally pulled the ugliest green plastic dice out of the bulk bin. You know, the buy it by the cup places at Gen Con. Yep. And they pass with flying colors. In fact, one of the highest ones I ever had. It was nearly perfect. It was only off by like six or seven rolls. It was this junk green plastic die. And at the other end, the metal dice, they don't seem to perform any better. So that's why yeah. I have to check each one. That's So do you have any intentions then of potentially selling some uh, 
some precision plastic or acrylic or anything like that? So I am. I'm considering okay. that. I'm, I'm, I'm poking around with that. Right now I went with metal, frankly, because I did a bulk buy and I have metal dice right now to test to feed through the machine. Uh, yep. But I am curious. There is a thriving organization of people who make their own dice. And yes, there are. I'm considering perhaps partnering with one of them to have tested dice from a specific vendor because, frankly, they can produce prettier dice. I mean, the metal ones are nice, and I sell them, and I, I think they're a great die. But some of the homemade stuff is, frankly, spectacular. Flowers and little scorpions inside the D20s are just cool, and it'd be nice to know that they're all so fair. Yeah. Now, there's some, there really are. It's like right now, I was thinking about this the other day. We are in almost a dice renaissance with so many people, so many tutorials on how to make your own dice. And like you were saying, like I saw this clear dice one that had like a little ship inside of it. And I was like, what? That's, that's wild. And then we're getting gemstone dice now and all this other it's super cool scene stuff. I've, I've explored it. It's not for me. I'm not a artistic person per se so i need to partner with someone potentially but i will tell you i do have a slightly secret project i've ordered up loaded dice oh so i found a vendor who shall remain nameless to protect their reputation but they're going to manufacture a batch of loaded dice using iron powder and i am going to see if i can both get them to behave as i expect as loaded dice and kind of a challenge for the system because I know they're loaded and yeah. I want to see if the loading actually has a statistical impact. So I ordered three dice. I ordered one that was heavily loaded, lightly loaded, and then a clear one as a control that has no loading at all. And they're all from the same vendor and we'll run them through the system to see how that turns out. Oh, that's yeah. No, that's super, that's super cool. I didn't even think about the fact about as far as like testing testing your machine in process using loaded dice like that. So believe it or not, loaded 2D20s are actually quite hard to find. You read some things online about people uh, melting them to get one side different shapes. It's not very elegant, and frankly, it's easy to spot. So I thought I'd do something a little more precise. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. It's funny because I actually, I talk about, I like looking at these, I like looking at pretty dice, but it's funny. The dice that I use at the table it's a set of plain white dice with black letters on them. That that's 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 what I use just because for me it's easy to read. So they are the literally the plainest dice you can find. So, but I like them. To each his so. own. I will never I will never give anyone a hard time about their choice of dice at the table. Pink with butterflies is fine with me. Whatever you want to use, but for my taste, I think dice that roll reasonably fair are important. And there's Absolutely. been some dis- some arguments about that. So let's talk about that then. So does fair? So obviously at the RPG Academy, our motto is: if you're having fun, you're doing it right. But does the fairness of dice matter? So speaking for myself, I think it does for okay. one particular reason. The reason we use dice on tabletop RPGs is to interview, introduce the element of chance, the unknown future. And if your die is, for whatever reason, it may not even be your fault. You may have just landed on a die that always rolls high. Having someone at the table that never fails or statistically succeeds more often than everybody else, I think is kind of a bummer. 
Mm-hmm. I think everybody should have the same chance of failure. Conversely, you have the poor soul who picked the wrong die out of the bulk buy at Gen Con and is now rolling twos far more often than they should. And that's not fun either because nobody likes continuous failure. No, you think about it just from a from a, like a story perspective. If you're reading a book, like you have to have ups and downs it would be whenever you have a story for like where the 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 protagonist is just succeeding at everything or if you're just reading a very doom and gloom or it's just constant failure there's not a uh you need drama drama is the change it's the it's the change in the story the ups and downs we need that at the table too so. Absolutely. The irony is I'm doing all this work to determine D20 fairness, and the last game I played was Invisible Sun, which doesn't really use D20s. <laughs> so <laughs> I, this is more for the folks who are still running D20 games who could make use of it. But yeah, I think it's important. I think it matters more than people think it does. And even worse, there is much superstition, superstition and nonsense regarding dice balance. Have you heard about the saltwater thing? I think so. This is where, like, your dice float? Correct. You supersaturate water with salt, you take your plastic die, and you float it, and if you spin it and it keeps coming up with the same number, it's supposed to be fair, unfair, and I've tried it, and it doesn't work particularly well. Uh, the professor in Kentucky, whose link I will send you to his paper he had published, uh, also tried it, and he could find statistically it was pretty much nonsense, too. Uh, so all those YouTubers out there, I'm sorry, but you're probably not correct. That's so funny. I mean, but hey, I will throw this out there. Gamers, they are a group of people who are sitting around a table, uh, making stuff up. So you would, it's it's plausible that they would also believe in real life curses and whatnot too. So absolutely. Yes. So I guess the next question for you then is, so you're somebody who has, you've rolled a lot of dice, you care about the, the fairness of the tape at the table and seeing, um, and, and almost, almost controlling or not controlling the randomness, but kind of putting it on guide rails. But so is there, in your opinion, are there things that game designers or even GMs who are trying to homebrew stuff are there ways that we can account for randomness of dice? So I think you may be asking the wrong question. Okay. So mechanically, absolutely. I mean, let's go back to D&D first edition, far back before the Great Edition Wars, and you have a plus one to hit. That's a statistical bent. You're effectively making a loaded die metaphorically, sort of a virtual die, right? You're adding one to the roll. So mechanically, yes, you can manipulate the dice back and forth. And the GM certainly is well within his rights to fudge dice, especially if the party's about to be TPK'd. I've done that more than once. Uh, To preserve the party and keep the game going, that's fine. But honestly, I think it boils down to the players. Yeah. Because the players ultimately, if they have their wits about them, if they're actually... And this is going to get me killed on the comments... If they're actually good players who use their brain instead of the mechanics to get themselves out of situations, to be mm-hmm. truly good at the game, to understand the story, and to make decisions and plans that make sense within that story, they have far more control than the dice ever will. But That, that, yeah. that makes sense. So I think that 
you could mechanically sort of account for it at the at the structural level with bonuses or extra dice or what's the fifth edition one? They have challenge dice now, I think, and Final Fantasy Flight had extra dice for the Star Wars game. It's all just noise in the face of the players ultimately are making that decision. I'm just advocating for when they roll that D20, they should have a reasonable chance of getting 5% of every of any option on there. I think that's so cool that it, it's something that when you, when you reached out to me and Michael, this I was like, oh, this is the statistic guy. This a Trent's going to care about the numbers so much, but I do think it's you're bringing it back to kind of what you talked about at the beginning, why you like games and the camaraderie at the table. It's a uh, yeah, the dice, the dice matter, but honestly, the story can get you out of most situations a lot of times. It is, which is why I have moved from less dungeon crawling in my youth to more story-based games. Uh, okay. Some extremely so. Invisible Sun is pretty far down the story continuum. It's not diceless, but there's quite a bit there that's story-based, and which is why we enjoy it so much. So since you've been you've been playing games for such a long time, and now you have kind of, which is cool, you've seen the the the, the evolution of games from from the original D and D all the way up to something like Invisible Sun. So do you think then has the introduction of these story focused games lessened people's interest in fair roles? Have you seen that over the years? Like people care less about it, or is it the same really? So it's an excellent question because there's undoubtedly a difference between those of us who grew up in the 80s on fairly, I don't want to say no story, that's not correct. I would say yeah. lower story focused campaigns that were basically story based dungeon crawls, mm-hmm. which is fine. And the newer games are much more story related, powered by the apocalypse leaps to mind as one of the more story-based games there's a whole bunch of there's about a billion indie games that are super story focused yeah but i have actually i i don't disagree with you the bottom line is i think yes i think the older amongst us are a bit more focused on the dice rolls because we grew up in a world where those mattered more frankly and the dare i say the younger people the under 30s, they grew up in a world with a little more story and with the advent of YouTube-based, you can actually watch other people play. I think that has become a larger focus. But remember, if you even look at Critical Role, they're still rolling D20s, story or not. So you may as well be a fair D20. Yeah, no, I think that's a super, that's a super cool perspective and it kind of it kind of it kind of makes sense so no that's it's it's super interesting to hear that so i want to then ask you then one of my another follow-up question is have you found a particular game that you really like that handles the randomness of dice really well so i think that's a difficult question to answer because what you're asking for is how does it does it give you any leverage in because there are you could have a pure dice system where you have almost no control versus bonuses or ads like D&D 3.5 especially you could you could shift those dice around a lot using your various bonus stats feats whatever but in terms of handling it it's almost a given that you can't and i think the people that accept that probably are the better game designers 
look, you're going to roll badly. You can't account for a bad experience. You have to push that back on the GMs or DM. Let's go with Game Master. Let's be generic. Yes. And I think that's ultimately what it boils down to. I could go on a huge rant about the quality of GMs I've seen, but the bottom line is your GM has to mitigate that. He is or she is the ultimate arbiter of the game, and they need to keep that game fun at all costs. That's, that's, I mean, that, that, I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. I mean, we all have to have fun. Exactly. And I don't want to oversell this. I mean, this is just a little hobby I put together because I think it's statistically amusing uh, because I know some gamers are really concerned about dice and whether or not they're fair and balanced and all these sorts of things. And I thought it'd be nice to have, give them an opportunity to explore that side of themselves. But at the end of the day, I mean, a D20 is a D20. Is it going to make that much difference? Not particularly. Uh, but will it matter long term if some joker at your table's got a loaded die? Yes. Yeah, it, it's just cool. Like for me personally, I am I am uh, one of the people who I I play a lot of different games. I, I we stream D and D, but me personally i'm one of the people who if i don't roll dice that's fine i like a lot of diceless systems but with that said though the idea of i of having a fair and balanced dice it just sounds it's cool it's a it's amusing it's it's different it it does give you a certain and frankly part of it is geek cred yeah i mean i my die somebody tested and I've been online, and other. it's not like I'm unique in this. The only thing that I did special was I built the robot and the machine system, machine vision system to handle it. Uh, people have rolled their dice four or 500 times, run it through, I mean, goodness of fit is not exactly a secret. It's, it's stats 101. <laughs> so everybody knows how to do it. Feel free to do it at home, listeners. Just roll your dice a few hundred times and do the math. Uh, <laughs> but it, the, the issue is I don't think anybody made it efficient enough to make it worthwhile, except for the extremists. Yeah, for sure. You've just, yeah, you, you, you could, people can just go buy a lawful dice and save themselves hours. Exactly. So. And it's, as I said, it is a piece of, you know, it's a geek flex, essentially. Yes. But uh, I'm actually, when I go to Gen Con this year, assuming we have Gen Con this year, I really hope we do. Uh, I, I might, I might bring a few with me and pass them out to poor souls at my table who are getting just raked <laughs> over the coals by those. I'm like, here, my friend, take this. At least if you die, it'll be lawfully. It's, yeah, I know. I'm just thinking about that. I, I'm thinking about that, that, that picture from old, old, the, the old, uh, Zelda game. I think it's, was it Link's Awakening where the wizard hands him the sword. It's, it's dangerous. Don't go alone. Don't go alone. So. Exactly. So that's awesome. So I guess be before we wrap up, then, uh, can you give us just give us a rundown then? Where can people find Lawful Dice? So LawfulDice.com is up and operational. The inventory is a bit limited right now because I've had uh, some issues during the pandemic in terms of work, cutting into my important gaming time. Uh, once I get it spin up and running, though, it will have a larger inventory. Right now, the dice are entirely metal. They're of good quality, but of... I will not discuss the manufacturer because it's not really yeah. relevant to the fact they've been through the system and their brothers and sisters that failed, they they were put out of their misery humanely. Uh, there was a sledgehammer involved. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Every to each their own. Everybody's got their everybody has their unique way of slaying the dice. Exactly. So 
Okay. All right. So yeah. So yeah, so lawfuldice.com where people can check that out. Are you on uh, social media? Or, or, uh, Lawful Dice uh, is also a Twitter handle. I've, I believe I'm on Facebook as well and Instagram that I use occasionally. To be honest, I'm not much for social media, but I do monitor those. So if anybody wants to reach out to me on those, they can. I do anticipate hopefully in the next week or so when I finally get my loaded dice, putting up some info on Instagram and the blog on the site about how that worked out i'm really curious to see how loaded dice work and i promise not to tell people how i did the loading so that evil information will not be distributed i'm really curious to see those numbers so i I really am i think i think that that'll be a cool that'll be a cool look at something so i hope so yeah and then also anybody's listening uh yeah trent's website uh, lawfuldice.com it has so much cool information there. The facts section will answer any question that we have not covered tonight. And believe it or not, I believe there's a video up there as well for the robot in action, at least partially. You get a view of what the machine sees when it's hopping around. And uh, it's kind of interesting. You had to solve some interesting engineering problems. And I hope everyone takes a look at it. Yeah, for sure. Definitely go check that out. So, well, well, Trent, well, that that's that's going to be a wrap for this evening. So, thank you so much for for coming on the show and talking about dice with me. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, no problem. So, as always, folks, you can follow me on Twitter at bezcartom. Yes, that is Mandalorian Metal Tom. And then, as always, do not forget if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.